I'm Jeff. My wife and I host Message of Hope. Message of Hope wants to be your weekly inspirational, motivational, and non-judgmental friend to help you through your week as we share Bible truth and life experiences to let you know you're not alone. Let's join Sandra to see what Message of Hope she has today. Hello, it's Sandra. I got a difficult subject to talk about today and certainly one that I never dreamt I'd be talking to anybody about publicly, especially. But it's one that needs to be discussed. To be the mother of an addict is not a rare thing anymore, but rather quite common. It's sad that we often turn a blind eye to things until the mess gets so big that you can't ignore it or cover it up anymore. Our world as a whole does this. We avoid things being too real for us to handle. During the years that we were initially forced to face the fact that we had a member addicted to pills, I felt so very isolated. I didn't hear any of my friends discussing having this problem, and as mentioned in my podcast titled Got Chains, I felt like I had a dark cloud surrounding me every day and thought we were the only ones that were being affected by addiction. And I certainly didn't want to risk myself as the parent or my child being judged by others. As a mother, you do all you can to protect your kids, right? I mean, what kind of mother would I be to go around defamating my child by talking about bad things they were doing with other people? No, as a mother, my instinct was to protect my children from others and to guard them against people judging them. And if you're a mother listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. We are the very glue that holds things together. We guide, we direct, we nurture, and usually exude a very similar type of love that our brother Jesus did. You know, loving the unlovable and the sinner. And our hope is that our children are liked and accepted by others. And that as they go beyond the teenage years and approach adulthood, we don't want their adolescent behaviors to follow them into adulthood. Because you know as well as I do, that people don't usually notice the good in you, but they amplify and discuss at length with everyone they know any little dirty piece of gossip they can find on you, especially in a small town. Even Jesus says in Mark 6, 4, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. You know, the people, they were questioning, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary? The brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters are here with us because they had heard him preaching in the synagogue and they knew his family, so they didn't believe that he was our Savior. And many times in our community, once someone knew something wrong you had done, often they never let you forget it. For these same type reasons, we mothers guard and protect those we love against other people's opinions of them, because after all, We know our child better than anyone and know they have been taught right and we're promised in God's word in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. As a mother, all of our hopes, our prayers, our belief is that they will grow out of it and return to right thinking and acting. I'll tell you, I have held on to this promise for my family throughout the years. I am a consistently calm person who is a peace seeker and just want everybody to get along. I remember I would cringe if the phone rang late at night or if there was a knock on the door when any of my kids weren't home because I'd fear it was the police telling me something bad had happened to them. 
I remember I used to hold my breath as I turned onto my street each evening after work and could only sigh some relief if I saw the police were not sitting in front of my house. I guess it really didn't only actually happen less than a handful of times, but once was enough to make me cringe. The fact that I worked for local government and interacted on a professional level with police officers on a daily basis amplified this personal hell as well because I knew they knew this about us and had concerns that it affected what they thought of me as a professional if I couldn't handle my own family. Gosh, I remember the first sign of trouble like it was yesterday. I received a call shortly after dark. Hey, Mom, I need you to come get me. I've been drinking, and I don't want the cops to pick me up while I'm walking home. And that progressed into finding a few pieces of jewelry gone over the years and then my husband's tools, one, two, three at a time. And it only went way downhill from there over the years. But I want to point out here that I was a part of this problem starting back with that first call. Gosh, raising kids, it's so hard to decide with each event what the best thing to do is. That first drinking call, I decided, okay, let me think about this. It's normal for teens to try a drink or two. My kid used wisdom to call me to pick him up. So how do I handle this? First, I rushed to them to pick them up, hoping to get to them, while they were waiting for me by pretending to still be on the payphone until I could arrive, hopefully before the police noticed them or somebody reported them. All I could think was just get to them and get them home and safe. I put my child to bed and I checked on them off and on all night to make sure they were okay and decided tomorrow we will discuss this. We have the talk the next day, and I ground them for punishment because that's what responsible parents would do, right? But from there, it always seemed to get rather complicated. And I have to admit, years later, I saw that I was actually part of the problem because I was an enabler, and I didn't realize it. You see, the other part of the story is that after 13 years of marriage, My husband had left me for another woman to raise our three children by myself. He just dropped out of their life, and I filtered a lot of what the kids did through that fact without realizing it. The divorce caused us to have to move into government housing because at the time I was only making four and a quarter hour or something in that area at a dry cleaner's, and I couldn't afford other housing, and this was a big disruption to our kids. Anyway, after administering any type of correction to them, they'd look at me with those big blue eyes and swear they'd never do that again if I'd let them go to an event or to a friend's house or whatever, and my heart would go out to them because I always wondered how they were truly feeling inside about their dad being gone and all the changes to their lives, and I couldn't seem to get them to open up about it much. Add to the facts, I always hated that they had many promises from their dad, that he'd pick them up, but he never did, that their present was in the mail, but it never arrived, and I kind of blamed their father for not being in their life as a part of what was troubling them and possibly causing the behavior because I had grown up in a very stable and loving home myself and couldn't wrap my head around how somebody could do this to their kids. Now, mind you, I never spoke aloud these things to my children, but I think that they knew that they could pull my heartstrings this way, and many times I'd give in and give them the benefit of the doubt and lessen or lift the originally stated punishment. So you guessed it, 
that I feel sorry for them thing was going on inside of me. I'm telling you, though, I think you'd be right there with me had you been in the room while they waited time and time again for their father to pick them up for a play date he had promised but never showed up. If you'd seen the tears and know how hurt they were and disappointed, I think you might have been right where I was. At least I'm a softy. What can I say? I always encouraged them that their dad loved them and that something must have come up to make him not make it because I didn't want their little hearts to hurt any more. And I knew his absence was already talking loud enough without me saying anything negative. And I saw my job as being to build them up when others tore them down and to be an encourager to them. Now, to make a note here, I'm not making excuses for how I handled things. What I'm pointing out is that we all have extenuating circumstances and things that are happening behind closed doors that at times cause us to make the decisions we do or the excuses we do. And if your child is just entering this stage, I want to urge you to tread softly because we can all come up with possible excuses for why our child or another family member is doing something. I just wanted to paint you a picture of what was going on in our life. Also, we all know our children well, and I knew my children's hearts and that they were good people at heart. So the biggest problem was that I was in denial. I kept thinking they can't really be doing what I'm suspicioning them to be doing. If you have this situation in your life, know that you're not alone. In recent years, the world is noticing addiction is a huge problem and can no longer be ignored, and they are making an effort to put some systems in place that can help our loved ones in their fight to return to themselves and become active, productive, upstanding citizens, and to support the families as they help their loved ones with the return to reality and their true selves. And I say, find any of these you can and go and learn as much as possible from these programs for your own sanity and benefit. This is a fight you're in, and one as mothers we have to face head on. We have to recognize and take time out to deal with these issues. Ignoring does not mean it's not real, and it will not go away on its own. The whole family will have to work together to fight the many demonic addictions that are plaguing our society and working steadily to cause us and our children to face these deep, dark hells. I want to read some encouraging scriptures to you from the Bible in Hebrews 12. And it says, So then, let's run the race that is laid out in front of us, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let's throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and fix our eyes on Jesus, faith's pioneer and perfecter. He endured the cross, ignoring shame, for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him, and sat down at the right side of God's throne. Think about the one who endured such opposition from sinners so that you won't be discouraged and you won't give up. In your struggle against sin, you haven't resisted yet to the point of shedding blood, and you have forgotten the encouragement that addresses you as sons and daughters. My child, 
Don't make light of the Lord's discipline or give up when you are corrected by him, because the Lord disciplines whomever he loves, and he punishes every son or daughter whom he accepts. It goes on to say, Bear hardship for the sake of discipline. God is treating you like sons and daughters. What child isn't disciplined by his or her father? But if you don't experience discipline, which happens to all children, then you are illegitimate and not real sons and daughters. What's more, we had human parents who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirit and live? Our human parents disciplined us for a little while, as it seemed best to them. But God does it for our benefit, so that we can share His holiness. No discipline is fun while it lasts, but it seems painful at the time. Later, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. So strengthen your drooping hands and weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet, so that if any part is lame, it will be healed rather than injured more seriously. Pursue the goal of peace along with every one, and holiness as well, because no one will see the Lord without it. Make sure that no one misses out on God's grace. Make sure that no root of bitterness grows up that might cause trouble and pollute many people. Amen. That was a great scripture of encouragement. And I hope this talk encouraged you to see that we all make mistakes. The important thing is to keep on keeping on and to not grow weary of doing the next right thing for you and your family. Life on this side passes quickly and soon we will live in eternal peace and comfort if we remain faithful to completing the task set before us each day and remaining strong in our stance and our fight against anything that sets itself before us or our families to trip us up. Before I sign off today, I want to pray for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Until next week, Godspeed. I want to thank you for joining us today as we open our hearts and our lives to you. We would really be encouraged to continue our podcast if you would take a moment to like, share, download, and comment on our post. We invite you to go to messageofhope.com and on the contact page, there is a place for you to submit any prayer request you might have as we would love to be praying for your needs as well. 